Hello and welcome to Journeys in Grace. My name is Eric Hubbard. I want to thank you for being with us as we study the Word of God and continue on in just seeking God and seeking Him through every way possible as we expose the Word of God. And, and I pray that these lessons are a blessing to you as we bring them to you each and every week. We're going to start out today again talking about lessons from Elijah. And what a great, again, man of God, a man that not only was a powerful man of God, one who we saw do mighty acts. We just read in our last teaching how that uh, he called down fire from heaven and it consumed the, alt consumed the altar and the sacrifice and how that uh, before he uh, called down fire, how he had them cover the, uh, alt cover the um, uh, sacrifice with water. And so making everybody around them, he called Israel and all the prophets of, uh, of, the, of the enemy and to look, I'm going to show you that this is not by man. This is not, as uh, Zechariah says, not by power nor by might, but it's going to happen by the Spirit of God. Because what did he do? He drenched the altar three times. He poured it over the altar, over the wood, over the stones. He not only did that, he, he built a trench around it and filled that up with water. So nobody could mistake can can say that, hey, there was a igniter under the altar, and that's how he got it to uh, catch fire. But there would be no mistake that this was this uh, this act that was about to happen. This mighty move of God was not by the hand of man, but it was by the power of God. So let's start now. Let's get into the Word of God uh, quickly here. So we go into the book of uh, the book of First Kings, continuing on, and we're going to start talk now about staying in place, staying in place. So we our previous teaching we talked about how that. Uh, First, about where is your there? Where is your there? And there is a there for all of us. There is a place that God has anointed for us. He's appointed for us. He has said, okay, that in this place, that uh, when we arrive there, we will find that we will we will flourish. And many times, uh, I know that when I came over here from uh, Alabama after I got out of school and uh, began to look for a job, it took a while for me to catch uh, to to become established, and I had. Uh, opportunity to go back home. And matter of fact, I tried at one time I did go home with intentions to stay. But uh, by the grace of God, I came back and God just, uh, it, it, things didn't turn automatically. But by God's grace and by his favor, he has allowed me to progress from where I was then to where I am now. And I am grateful for him. But the reason I'm bringing that up is that we, we all have a there, whether it's on your job, whether it's the person that uh, you 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 uh, you meet to marry, whether it's uh, whatever with relationships that God wants you to build, it could be your church. For God has spoken to you about going to this place of worship, and I'm not saying this that you, that may not be your forever place, but if it's a place that God told you to go, then there's a reason why He wants you there, and we must uh, uh, just continue, get in that place and be faithful serving. Well, again, whether on the job, uh, maybe even with a family, you know, and, and families change. You know, if you're a mom with kids, there will be a time when those kids are growing up and, and go to college or go out into the world and find, get their job. And they'll have their own family. So that job of yours, uh, though many will say, well, parenting never ceases. But that time of you uh, hopefully feeding them, clothing them, providing money, providing transportation, they'll, hopefully there'll come a time where they'll do that for themselves. But again, we all have our there. And we're going to read today about not only do we have our there, but there comes a time 
that if you leave your there, and that there is in is not just a physical place, it's a place in God, it's a place in the spirit, it's a place within us that where we're in communication with the Lord and we realize. It's not by power. It's not by your physical strength. It's not by your, your gifts. It's not by your talents. I'm talking about your God. It's not by your uh, uh, fleshly gifts. Because some people can naturally sing. Other people may, uh, may be anointed. But some people just have a natural uh, t- talent for sports, talent for speaking, a talent for, uh, for, for art, or whatever the case may be. But when you only moving and you're trying to serve God only on what you have, you'll find yourself. When you lean on your own understanding, when you're trusting in your strength and how that I am, I going to get through this issue. What am I going to do about it? How can I fix this thing? You will always find yourself, as we used to say, with the short end of the stick. You will find yourself in lack. You becoming weighted down. Find yourself uh, uh, depressed and then angry because why? As Moses did when Moses, remember when Moses was in the in the uh, in the wilderness with the children of Israel, and they were complaining about uh, water and complaining about the food and they wanted meat. And there came a time when Moses got sick. He got tired of being sick and tired and said, uh, "Why? Why you put all these people on? Why you put this on me?" God didn't put it on him. God gave him a job to do. He gave him, whenever there was a lack, Moses, what was Moses' job? To go to God. To go to God. Get directions. Tell the people, count on God to move. But the day that he and Aaron stood before the people of God, when they were asking for water, and Moses got so angry with them, he told them, drink ye rebels. And because he defamed the people of God before God, and let him, and got in himself, and he got angry, and God in himself, it caused him to miss out on going into Canaan. It can cause us that when we don't follow God and we're not there, because there is where your blessing is. There is where the anointing is. There is where your, where your gifts will flourish. There is where your talents will, will, will flourish. There is where God wants you. There is the place of your blessing there is where God will promote you because of your faithfulness because of your listening to what he and your depending not only listening to what God has to say but trusting that he will give he has provided every solution he's fixed every problem about not he's going to fix not he's going to give you uh, prepare for you but he's already the bible says he's provided all things that pertain unto life and godliness He's Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. He's already done it. God's expecting us to walk by faith and not by sight and trust him that all is well. So let's go now to the book of 1 Kings, 19th chapter. And now we're going to read about the prophet. And again, our subject today is about staying in place. Again, not necessarily a physical place, but in that place in God and staying in your assignment. That's how I put it there. Stay in your assignment. So, First Kings nineteen verse. No, uh, first verse, first verse. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a message to the Elijah. Now here's basically Jezebel is representing Satan, for she is the one that had employed the 
850 prophets that were killed. She is the one that called her husband Ahab to kill, kill uh, I believe his name was, uh, the, the, the Nabal, I believe it was his name, that uh, had a vineyard. And, uh, and he wanted it. And because he wanted it, he whined and complained about how that he could not get this man to sell him his vineyard. But you know what? Uh, 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 <laughs> Jezebel said, hold up. Aren't you the king? She said, okay, I'll fix this. And she had the man, she had a lie told him that, and even had him stoned to death off of, of a lie. And so Ahab was able to get the vineyard that he wanted. So this is the woman, why I'm saying she represented Satan. She was a woman that Ahab should never have married because in the Old Testament, if you weren't a believer, if you weren't of, rather, the household of faith, if you weren't of the nation of Israel and a follower of God, of Jehovah, then you were considered unclean and therefore not fit or not, uh, and in other words, not you were, and you uh, were not fit to be a husband or a woman that would bring in the uh, the new nation that would follow the, the present one. In other words, God did not want his people into marrying. Because many of them had false gods, and there wasn't salvation in that day. Yes, you could, there were a few. There were some who did join in with Israel and did and did become after over time become followers of God. But as a majority, most people had their own god. They served Dagon from birth to death, and many times that's why in the Old Testament that when people when uh, Israel came into the land, God said, "You must drive them out," because he knew their hearts, and they were not, they, were, they weren't going to be converted. But what they were going to do, they were going to convert the people of God. So this is who Jezebel represents. She represents Satan. She represents the enemy. And she tells, uh, she sends a note to the man of God. And remember, Elijah was the man that just killed 850 followers of, of, of Satan. He was the man that when he called all Israel together, and told them to come come unto me and let me show you who God is. And when he brought, and he did. And we just read it in the 18th chapter how that they drenched the altar with water three times. Filled up the trenches around it. And when the man of God prayed, fire came down, burned up the wood, burned up the sacrifice, burned up the water. And all the whole uh, of Israel, all of the Israelites that were there, they bowed their heads and said, the Lord, he is the God. They were ready. But whenever, I want to tell you, I just want to throw this little, little nugget in. Whenever you have a great victory, Satan, that's, that's his prime time to come. Because he feels like, oh, okay. Let's see how confident they are. Are they confident that they did it? Or, they, if, are they, or is their confidence in God? So what did he do? She sent him a note and she said, she said, rather, I lost my place there. She said, she wrote him a note that says, I'm going to get you. I'm putting this in my words. I'm going to kill you. And the same way you did to these men, I'm going to, just as she said here in the second verse, she says, so let the God do so to me and more also, also, if I make not thy life, as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So in other words, she said, just like you killed that 850, I'm going to kill you. And what, what did the man of God do? Now, if, if you have not read it, you would think that Elijah would have said, okay, 
the same God that killed the 850, the same God going to take you out. But he didn't say that. What did he do? Third verse says, and when he read the note, he arose and ran for his life. Came to Bathsheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. That is a prime trick of the enemy. He always wants to get us alone. Whenever you know, whenever you start having down feelings, and you know you see sad things and things that start happening bad in your life, and you do, you can't understand why this trial or this uh, why did this happening to my you know why this happening to my children? Where did this attack come from? Where did this sickness come from? Where did this uh, uh, where did this problem come from? You know, and Satan wants to get you by yourself. He wants to get you alone. Another way of saying alone is all one. In other words, you are all self-composed. You, you're all about self. It's all about me. Why me? How, how could this happen to me? And it says on the first, fourth verse, he says, but he went to a journey to the wilderness, came and set up a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. And this is what he said. It's enough now, O oh Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my fathers. I just think about that. That last stanza, he says, for I am not better than my fathers. What do you mean? You think about this. Who told him he was better than his father? God used him in spite of. And when the challenge came, he saw that some of the same things that his father did, he got, he got depressed. Elijah turned and ran. And now he finds himself all alone. And now he starts comparing himself to his fathers who were before him. Many of us have fallen to those same traps. You might have been, you know, you, you, your, your marriage may be last. Your, your marriage, your parents might have divorced when you were little. They might have waited till you got in, in high school or college. Or your marriage could have fell apart. Or, you know, whatever the case may be. Cancer could have came in and taken away your mother, your father. And the enemy will come and tell you, say, look, got them gonna get you. See, I told you. Look at your marriage. You having the same problem your mama did. Look at you. You cheating on your wife just like your just like your just like your uh, your daddy did. Look at you. Your kids, uh your your kids in jail just like just like your brothers went to jail. Look at you. Yo, yo, your your son's going to jail. See, and then the enemy will say, look at you, you ain't no better. Where your God at now? That's the voice of the enemy. Jesus, the Bible says about Satan, he says that he is the accuser of the brethren. He will always, he comes to bring condemnation, guilt, and shame to put that on your life. Because if he can put guilt and shame on you, that means he's pushed Jesus out the way and he wants you to see you. Can I tell you something? You by yourself, you ain't worth a bucket of spit. I said S-P-I-T spit. The old folks, some of the brothers used to say, you know what? You know, not only you ain't worth a warm bucket of spit. Because it's useless. That's nothing but garbage, something to be thrown away. In and of ourselves is what I'm saying. In yourself, you are nothing. I am nothing. None of us are anything without Christ. 
In Christ, we are we are giant slayers. In Christ, we are we are victorious. We are more than conquerors who him that loved us. In Christ, we are blessed and highly favored. In Christ, we are kings and priests. In Christ, we are we are above and not beneath. We in Christ, we are lenders and not borrowers. In Christ, He promised us that all of the blessings of Deuteronomy 28. And all of the things the Bible says in, I believe it's in, it's in the book of Psalm 37, 34, where he says that the Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. In him, when we are part of the household of faith in the kingdom, we are children of the most high God. But as Paul says, when you start comparing yourselves among yourself, and saying, you know what, I may be bad, but I ain't like brother, brother almost. Brother, brother downright, cause he just downright evil. You know, I may be evil, but I ain't downright evil. I may be bad, but I ain't bad as him. I ain't bad as her. I might have um, uh, messed up well, and, and committed adultery three times, but at least I, I ain't been married seven. I ain't got five wives, like the five husbands. Like the woman in the Bible, I may have, I may, you know, I, I, I ain't do what they did. When you start comparing yourselves among yourselves, as, as Paul said, he said, it's not wise. What we should do, as the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, knowing that in him we have all things. We have all wisdom and prudence. I'm, I'm, I'm taking you back now and saying more and more again that yes, this man of God, he was under, in, he was in the Old Testament, and he didn't have the scriptures that he didn't have the blood of Jesus, he didn't have the Holy Spirit as we do today. He, he wasn't, uh, he yes, he was part of the household of faith, but he did not have Christ as his Savior. What Elijah had was God moving on him, God speaking to him. But Elijah fell into the same trap that many of us who have the Holy Spirit today, we fall in that same trap of comparing ourselves among ourselves. And it is a deadly trap because you become overconfident. You'll, you'll again, you'll, you'll begin to walk in pride. And then when the Bible says, when, uh, when a Holy Spirit comes before, before fall, it's Proverbs. When you become large in yourself and all swole up, here this man, but he just had he just had had a mighty victory. Israel was waiting on him. He was he was, they were waiting on him. All of them had now had acknowledged God. Remember back in the 18th verse, they said 18th chapter where the, the Lord He is God. They were waiting on the man of God, and Satan caused him to run. And we read on. And he looked, behold, now he's under the juniper tree and the angel came in verse number five. And he looked and behold, there was a cake of bread on the, on the coals, a cruise of water at his head. He did eat and drink and laid down. And the angel woke him up again. He said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. And the eighth verse, he says that he did eat and drink and he went on the journey of this meat for 40 days and 40 nights. He was fed and, and nourished supernaturally. Although Elijah had left his post, Elijah had left his job, he had left the revival, 
He had left off preaching and had gotten a note and he had ran. The mercy of God was still with him. God was still there, just like he is with us today. You remember in, with, with, with uh, uh, Peter in the garden when he took the sword and chopped off the uh, man's ear? And then prior to that, Jesus told him that uh, uh, this night all of you are going to forsake me. And what did Peter say? No, Lord. I don't care if all of them leaving. I'm going to be right here. I'm your ride or die partner. Till death do us part. I'm with you. I'm in it to win it. And when he followed Jesus afar off, when Jesus was in the judgment hall, and a young lady came up and told him, said, you know what, you, you look like one of those followers. <laughs> Girl, please. The second one said, uh, you, yeah, you were. He said, no, not me. And somebody said, yeah, you, you, you're talking. You, you're, you talk just like one of them Gal Galileans. And then he started cursing. And Jesus looked at him, and the Bible says Peter left and went out bitterly, weeping, because he realized he had betrayed him. But I say again, God is so full of love and compassion. He loves his people. He loves us. He loves us. And no matter how far you've fallen, if you have a heart to still have a heart to pray, if you still have a heart, I don't care how many years you've been backslidden. I don't care how many years you left the church and, you know, you might have done the awful thing, the worst thing. You could be in, at the bottom of the jail. You could have a 50-year sentence. You could have a death sentence. You could be waiting on to be executed tomorrow. He that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But here this prophet is, having left his post, and, and run off. He left his place. And running from a woman. Who gave him a threatening note. And he's hiding himself under a juniper tree. And now he runs. He, he, he left the tree. And the ninth verse says. Look what he did. He came to a cave and laid down there. And said, Look. Angel found me out there. This is my words now. He found me out there on the tree. I'm going to hide up in this cave. Well, no, but I just say, just kid God trying to locate me under that tree. I'm going, I'm, I'm getting up out of here. But let's see what the Lord did. Tenth verse, ninth verse, brother, very important. As all of the scriptures are, but the ninth verse is something I want to bring out. He came into a cave and lodged there. And he says, and behold, God found him in the cave. The Lord came to him and said, what's do with thou here, Elijah? The Lord said, what you doing here? You've left your post. You've left the church I put you in. You left the marriage. You left the loving wife. You left the husband I gave. You cried for this husband. I gave him to you. I gave you those children. Why are you sleeping in a car, sleeping in a hotel? Why are you at this woman's house? Why are you in this man's arms? You know where I called you to. You know what I gave you. Unlike in the law. Adulterer, adulteress, they would be stoned to death. But Jesus loves you. Go back home. Run unto Jesus. The Bible said, looking unto Jesus. Look to him. Yeah, people are going to dog you. 
They're going to dog you when you're doing right. And they're going to dog you when you're doing wrong. Love, let the love of God be overflow your heart. The only thing you have to do for God is receive. He's constantly pouring out love and mercy and grace. He said, in the day you hear my voice, harden not your heart. As they did in the day of provocation. The day of provocation was when they were in the wilderness. And God showed him all his mighty works, all his mighty grace. He spared you in the wreck. He spared you from uh, uh, at the club. He spared you when you was up at the, at the party. And the shots rang out. And the husband came home. And the car rolled over. And you survived. He's here right now showing his grace and says, come unto me. And I can hear God saying, why are you here, girl? Ellen, why are you here? Jonathan, why, what, you, what you doing out here? You know I called you. And this is what Elijah says, and which is so, you know, why as I read uh, uh, chapter 18, and especially bringing out Obadiah, listen what he says. He says in the 10th verse, just Elijah talking, he says, I've been very jealous for the Lord of God of hosts. He said, I've been jealous for the children of Israel, have forsaken that. He said, for they are forsaken your covenant, thrown down. He said, he said, they threw down your altar. They killed your prophets. He said, I, even I am only, am, let me read that again. He said, I, even I only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. There was no they. It was a woman with a note. It did, the Bible didn't say nothing about this, anybody chasing him. They were afraid of him. And that's who Satan is. He is a bully. He's a thug. He, he, he's a bully. He's a, he's a toothless lion. She didn't send forth a horde. They were all afraid. But Satan will send words. I'm going to get you. I'm going to kill you. I'm taking this job. You think you got a job? <laughs> Laid off 10 yesterday. Your department next. And you're going to be the first one. Who's going to pay your rent then? Gave your money. You better go get your money from that preacher. That's what the enemy will do. But see what, going back to the story, 10th verse. In the latter part, phrase of that verse, he says, I even I only am left. Now, if you was, we're going to, I'm going to go back real quick to uh, 1 Kings 18. There was a man in the 18th chapter, verse number 13, named Obadiah. And this is what he's talking to Elijah. He says, he said, didn't anybody tell you that when, uh, 13, was it not told my Lord what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord? How I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by 50 in a cave and fed them with bread and water. He said, there are people who are still, there are prophets left. Elijah said, I'm the only one. Ain't nobody serving God but me. It's me and me. And me. I'm, I'm all in this by myself, Lord. It's because, because he listened. He became weary. He took on the problem. And that's why Jesus said, cast all your prayers. Again, Elijah lives on a different covenant. But what I'm seeking to bring out here is that as we learn from Elijah, we can see that at this time he was taking it all on himself. In his own strength. Why would 850 men be afraid of one? Why? 
If he just would have thought it was God that raised that woman's son from the dead. It was God that sent that raven to feed him. It was God that convinced that woman to feed him. It was God that stopped the rain and, and uh, uh, started it back again. It was God that gave him the strength and gave the men around him the strength to kill those 850 prophets. Or rather, uh, not prophets, but uh, servants of, of, of the enemy. Servants of Baal. Idol worshipers. It was God that did that. He enabled him. And see, he's all, he was all full of himself. That's why he said, I'm just like my father's. They ran. I'm going by, I'm going by what the, it's in the scripture. It's not written there. But he says, I am just like my father's. So what did he do? In the time of trial, he ran. If I'm going to add two and two together, and you can't prove me wrong, because it's not written in there. But if we just go back here, he says that I am just, I am no better than my father. So in other words, he's saying, in their time of trial, they ran. In my time of trial, I've run. But God is so good. God is so gracious. God is so loving that it don't matter where you are, he'll come right where you are. And I want to read this scripture out of uh Book of Galatians, uh, Galatians six chapter, and we want. We want I'm going to read. I'm going to read this for you. Let's see if I can find it. Galatians six nine. It says, "Let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not." That means you got to stay in your place, not necessarily the physical place, and sometimes it is, but in that in that assignment. It's a better word I, I used earlier. You got to stay on your assignment. Elijah left his assignment and God was still merciful. And see, even in the Old Testament, we see God showing mercy and grace to those who mess up. David had a man killed because he wanted his wife. And God, the Bible says, the sure mercies of David. David found out that God loved a broken and a contrite heart. Even though Elijah ain't there right now, <laughs> he's done mighty works for God. He's still, he's, he's complaining about how he's the only one and he's the only one standing up for God. But God loved him so much. He's, he's there talking with him. And, and, and as we read this on, it reads how the God begins to show him some things. He says he went and stood in the, in the, in the entrance to the cave. And he says, and behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, broke in, and, and, and the mountain break in pieces and the, break in pieces the rock before the Lord but the Lord was not in the wind after that the wind and earthquake but the Lord was not in an earthquake after that the earthquake a fire but the Lord was not in the fire and then a still small force and it was so when Elijah heard it he wrapped his faith in a mantle went out and stood in the entering of the cave and behold a voice came to him and said he said it again what doeth thou here Elijah in other words God was saying just like he told uh, Adam he said Adam where are you Adam left his assignment Elijah left his assignment I just put it in his place he left his place but he left his assignment his assignment was Israel. The revival was there. He had brought down fire from heaven. 
He had, he had, he had, he had disgraced the prophets of Baal and the prophets of the grove. Israel was ready. As the people are now, people are seeing now, they are seeing there is no hope in Washington, D.C. There is no hope at the Georgia Capitol. There is no hope in your palm reader, in your uh, uh, zodiac sign. There is no hope there. Only in Christ, only by his grace can we stand. Only in his love, only in his love. If we abide in it, you see, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. And as we wrap this up today, I want to take you over now to uh, the book of Acts, second chapter. Acts 2. And we're going we're gonna to read there. The book of Acts, second chapter. And it reads, As Elijah brought down fire, now we're going to see the fire of the Lord. Acts 2, chapter 2. Chapter one, chapter two, verse one. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they're all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a fire from heaven as a mighty rushing wind. It filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared under them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each of them. Just like Elijah called fire to come, Jesus called fire to come. And this is how he did it. Because in his day of testing, he did not run. In his day of testing, he stood. And he's, as I said earlier, he stayed on the cross. He said, I could call to my father and he would send 12 legions of angels. But he hung there. He bled there. He suffered there. And the most important thing was he allowed sin. He became sin. So that I would not have to suffer the second death. Well, if Jesus tarries, he tarries another six, uh, another hundred years. Everybody that listen to me, most likely you're going to be gone. And we all going to be in judgment. We all have passed on to the next life. But Jesus hung there so that we will not have to suffer the second death. But we can walk and step over into life. And it says in that... Uh, in that uh, 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 12.2, it says, Look unto Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Because Jesus stayed, because he stayed on that cross, this is what happened. Now, after uh, the fire came down from heaven, if we go down to, I believe, the thirty. Eighth verse, it says, Peter began to preach. And he said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, your children, and all that are far off, even as many as God our Father shall call. And the 41st verse says, Then they gladly received his word. And were baptized. And the same day, there were added to them about 3,000 souls. Because Jesus stayed on his job. He stayed on the post. He stayed in his assignment. And when the, and when the fire came, 3,000 people were saved on that day. And there have been hundreds of 
thousands or millions, if not billions, have been saved because Jesus stayed in place. If you stay in place and are faithful, give God an opportunity to use you to save your husband. He said the unbelieving husband is sanctified by believing wife. Give God an opportunity to change your household as he did with the, with the, uh, with the, with the, with the jailer in, in the book of Acts. His whole house was converted. He got saved and his whole house got saved. Stay in your post. Stay on your post. As Cornelius did. The Roman centurion. Who was a commander of, 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 a, of, 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 of a legion. Of hundreds of soldiers. He led them. But this soldier. Found out. That there is love in the house of God. There's a God that's greater than Caesar. There's a God that I will serve. And God met him. And saved not only Cornelius. But his whole house. Stay on your post mom. Stay on your post dad. Sis keep praying. Bruh. God can change your whole house. Father we just thank you for today. We thank you Lord. You've given us all an assignment. And I pray for those, God, who are not saved today. That we pray, Lord God, that they will just repeat, repeat these words. Father, we thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. Today I repent of my sins. And I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, you know my life. You know why I failed. And this is why you died. Today I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. And I ask you, Lord, to please come. And lead and guide me as only you can. Oh Lord, thank you for today. I believe and I receive myself into the household of faith. I pray that you would repeat these words after me. And if you have, welcome to the family of God. And for those who are hurting today, if you're sick, Jesus said to ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. It's not a great theory or a great uh, a problem. Jesus said, ask. He said that everyone that asks receives. So Jesus, I'm hurting, Lord. You said in your word in the book of uh, Isaiah 53 that by your stripes we were, I was healed. In 1 Peter 2.24, it says that by your stripes we were healed. In Isaiah, it says that we are healed. Peter says, speaking in past, past, uh, past tense, healing is already mine. Psalms 107.20 says he sent his word and healed them. Who is that word? It's Jesus Christ the righteous. Thank you for my healing today, Lord. I receive it by faith. And I thank you, Lord, for all those who are on this uh, on this podcast, Lord, they would receive you, Lord, as Savior, receive you as healer, receive you as deliverer. And we thank you for all things and pray they will join us again for Journeys in Grace.